Good. If you got your Bibles, we're going to not be in Leviticus chapter 3, but close. We're going to be in Leviticus uh, chapter 13. So, if you want to open up uh, with me together, as we take a look at Leviticus uh, chapter 13, it's, I think uh, as we come to chapter 13 and 14, I might change my mind the further we go, but to me, these are a couple of the chapters that are the biggest highlight in the book of Leviticus. And we've already done so many neat things as we've gone through the book. So as we take a look tonight, uh, these two chapters are two chapters that were written down and sat in the Holy Scriptures for 1,500 years. The only one they used was chapter 13. Because chapter 13 pointed out those people who had leprosy. Chapter 14 said what to do when they were cleansed. For 1,500 years, they never used chapter 14. And then Jesus came. And in one day, 10 lepers showed up at once. All seeking out the priest to say, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? We've been cleansed. And I'm sure those priests who for 1,500 years never needed to know what Leviticus 14 said suddenly were scrambling for their scrolls to open it up and to see what was to be done. Two things should have happened on that day. One, they should have realized something is happening because we've never used these before. The second thing that they should have realized is what an incredible picture the whole thing is of what Jesus Christ would accomplish for their and our sins on the cross. So hopefully we'll be able to see that as we go through. So let's begin. We take a look at chapter 13. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Now folks, I'm going to say it every time we read that. Jesus said in the wilderness, Man shall not live by bread alone, but what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The entire book of Leviticus... I don't even think I could say that again like that if I tried. The entire book of Leviticus is, begins with this phrase over and over and over again. And the Lord spoke. And the Lord said to Moses, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or one of the sons of the priest. So he's beginning to lay out for them the law of leprosy. Here's one of the things we need to realize when we look at leprosy. Leprosy throughout the scripture is a type of sin. Leprosy is such a great picture of what sin does in our life. How? Because it begins as literally nothing. You don't even know it's begun. It's this little thing. It's a small thing. It's a little cut. It's a little scab. It's a little deadness in the tips of our fingers or in our extremities. And that's the same way sin is. You start playing around with sin and you think, oh, it's just a little thing. It's no big deal. But what does sin become in our life? Sin becomes this big, cancerous, leprous sore that eventually takes everything. I mean, every one of us can, can put our hand on a person that we know of that sin has taken them from you know, the the relatively sound person to utterly disrupting and destroying their life. What does sin do? It destroys families. What did leprosy do? It destroyed families. 
It destroyed lives. It destroyed your joy. It destroyed your happiness. Same thing takes place with sin. Exact same deal. So as we look at this picture, he's telling us how leprosy begins. But if you look a little deeper, you can see how sin begins as a swelling. What does the Bible say? What is the swelling being puffed up? The Bible talks about pride. The pride is a puffing up. He says this begins with a swelling, puffing up of pride. What does it say in Proverbs chapter 6? God hates six things. Yea, seven are an abomination unto the Lord. What's the first one? Pride. When we studied Isaiah 14 on Sunday night in Ezekiel 28, what did we discover as we looked at that? What was the beginning of the fall of Satan? Pride. Pride. Pride over and over and over again. What leads us to self-centeredness? Pride. What begins to destroy our families? Pride. He says here, leprosy begins with a swelling. That swelling has that attitude of what pride does in the life of a believer. Then he says a scab. What's a scab do? It covers up. So what do you see? First, you see the sin entering your life. A little bit of things happening. You fill up with pride and then you begin the cover-up process. Oh, that's no big deal. Oh, just a little thing, just a minor thing. Don't worry about it. It's okay. And then he says it moves on to the bright spot. How many people have you heard saying, given an excuse for a a habit in their lives, well, that's the bright spot of my day. This television show, that movie, this time I have to myself. So this is my bright spot. This is the time when, when the Bible talks about a bright spot, it's talking about leprosy. It's talking about that which leads to a path of destruction. Folks, on Sunday morning, we've been studying about and will continue to be studying about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and what that's all about. And a lot of people are clamoring, crying out that we want more of the Spirit. We want to see more evidence of the Spirit in our life. But you know what they're not clamoring out for? To look at Leviticus and realize that Leviticus says sometimes what holds us back is holiness. What are we holding on to and saying, well, this is a little sin in our life, or this is a little that, and we're holding on to that part, and we're not willing to move forward with the Lord in holiness. We're not willing to obey something that God's directing or calling us to, and we're, we, we got our hand, like I talked a few weeks ago about that monkey in the cage. We, we got our hands in the cage waiting for Satan to come club us on the head, and we won't let go of that marble that we're holding on to. Why? We, we as a church, we as a people, those who call themselves Christians and follow the Lord, we've got away from the holiness of God. Now, can we earn our salvation? No. But does that mean we're not called to holiness? Does that mean we're not called to cleanness rather than walking in uncleanliness? Are, is, is the book of Leviticus only there to show us these shadows or are we going to hear God's cry through the book 80 times? Be holy as I am holy. Be holy. Set apart to him. Set apart to him. So as we take a look, we want to have that attitude. We want to say, Lord, I want that holiness. Maybe it's that sin that we're holding on to that's keeping us from moving forward with the Lord. And we can pray for the 
for the indwelling, the overflowing of the Holy Spirit in our life over and over and over again. But if we're clutching to sin behind us, the Lord's saying, no, you need, you, you got to let go of that because that is holding you back from what you can experience with the Lord. We got to let it go. You know, God works in our life like a, a potter works clay, right? Sometimes he's shaping the outside. Sometimes he's digging the junk out of the inside. But no part of it is pleasant at the time when we're spinning on the wheel. But we want to realize everything that God's doing is for what? Our good and his glory. Our good and his... What's he doing? He's making us holy. He's making us holy. He wants to accomplish that holiness in our life. So as we look at this, realize what was it that they would do? If this happened, they'd go to the priest. They'd go to the priests. And they'd, they'd say, examine, examine this area of their life. Look what happens. And so in verse 3, the priest shall examine the sore, the skin of the body. And if uh, the hair on the sore is turned white and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body and is a leprous sore, and the priest, uh, then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. That phrase unclean throughout the book 54 times, 80 times God talks about holiness, 54 times he's going to talk about what is unclean. When we get to the end of chapter 14, he's going to tell us why. So that you know how to teach what is clean and what is not clean. We've already discussed in the book of Leviticus, that which is clean can become unclean simply by being around what is unclean. But you can't take that which is clean and make something that's unclean clean just by rubbing up next to it. We understood that. We talked about two boys that have measles or mumps. If one boy doesn't have it and the other does, and you rub them together, what's going to happen? The one that ain't got it's going to get it. That's how it works. And that's what God's laying out for us. So what's the value of understanding what's clean and what's unclean? So we can teach our children. This is how you walk. In cleanliness, this is how you stay away from that which is going to cause sin. Leprosy starts as something little, grows to something big, disrupts and destroys your life. And that's what he's laying out for us in chapter 13. Look what he says. It's deeper than the flesh. Well, that's exactly what the word of God says, isn't it? In the the gospel of John, Jesus lays out for us that those things come out of our heart. Comes out of our heart. That which defiles a man, right? It's not what goes into his mouth, it's what comes out of his heart. The heart, that, that spring of, of evil, that spring of sin within our lives. This is inside, this is deeper. And so he goes on. Now listen, if the bright spot is white on the skin, and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and its hair is not turned white, then the priest will isolate the one who has a sore seven days. What's going on? Isolation for observation. Nobody's making a snap judgment. The priest isn't going to just look and say, oh yeah, you got leprosy. Why? Because making that declaration of being unclean affected that person his entire life. Isn't it amazing how many Christians will walk around, you can, you can do a search online, you can go, that'll just make this snap judgment of somebody who says this or believes that or is this way and, they're unclean. They're, 
unsaved. They're, they're, they don't walk with the Lord. All these quick judgment. What does God tell his priest to do? Set them aside for seven days. And you're going to observe them again. So he's isolated for seven days. And the priest will examine in verse 5. Again on the seventh day. And indeed if the sore appears to be as it was. And the sore is not spread. Then the priest will isolate him another seven days. So seven days he looks at it. Hasn't spread. He sets him aside seven more. Because he's going to take his time. And really consider this. And that's the way. That needs to be our attitude toward those things. Which are unclean in our lives. Day in, day out, no snap judgments. Really think about it. And we'll get into some of the practical things here shortly. And then he goes on and says, Now, the priest will examine again on the seventh day. So now we got 14 days. And indeed, if the sore is faded and the sore is not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he will wash his clothes and be clean. But... If the scab should have spread all over the skin after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, then he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. Now, that word leprosy, guys, is not the same as what we call leprosy today. Hansen's disease. In the Hebrew, the word is saraot. Saraot, it meant literally like unclean, uncleanness of the skin. Uh, it, the closest thing we can relate it to is leprosy that we see today. Biblical leprosy, Hansen's disease has been cured today. Leprosy was uncurable. was incurable. There was no cure for it. And, and you're going to see why is that important? Because God's going to talk about leprosy of the clothes. Saraot, uncleanliness of the clothes. It's unclean. It's, it's diseased. He's going to talk about leprosy of the house. Saraot, uncleanliness of the house. You ever seen a house with leprosy? You ever seen clothes with leprosy? What's he talking about? Do you realize that there are clothes you can wear, merchandise you can buy, and things you can allow in, on, and around your house that will make it unclean. Oh, it's just a little thing. It's just a little thing. Oh, what's you, Jackie, you're being crazy. It's just small, really. That's how leprosy starts, right? That little thing, you let it in. It begins to erode. It begins to corrode. It begins to condemn. Next thing you know, it's tearing apart a family. How did it start? God says, by those little things. Those little things. Be ye holy as I am holy. Come out from among them. Be separate. Be different. Don't be just the same as everybody else. That's the point that he's calling out for. That's the point that he's laying out for. So when we see this, we're going to see this phrase over and over and over again. To me, a better definition of it is saraot. It's that uncleanliness. It's, it's the leprosy of sin, I think. Primarily... This fungus, this mildew, this whatever on the house, on the clothes, or on the body that makes someone unclean, that gets them in a place where they're walking away from salvation, walking away from the Lord, walking into hopelessness. Look what he goes on to tell us. He says, now when the leprous sore is on a person, 
Then he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling on the skin is white, and it has turned the hair white, and there is a spot of raw flesh in the swelling, this is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. The priest shall pronounce him unclean, and shall not isolate him, for he's unclean. He didn't have to make any snap judgment there. It's leprosy. You understand what would happen? What would happen to the person whom the priest spoke to him and said, It's Saraot. It's Saraot. That moment he ceased to exist as a human. From that moment, never see his family again. From that moment, no one would see his face again. From that moment, wherever he went, he had to scream at the top of his lungs, unclean, unclean, unclean. And for 1,500 years, they were stuck in that state. They were stuck in that state. Isn't that the same way sin is? Isn't that the way sin was in the world? Until the cross of Jesus Christ, they're stuck in that state. Are they lost? Hey, the Bible told us that God made uh, an opportunity for those people that, that perished, the righteous dead before the cross. They waited in a place called Abraham's bosom until Jesus died on the cross and went to set them free. But for 1,500 years, they waited. For 1,500 years, they were, they were not allowed in the camp. For 1,500 years, they were outside. Same thing going on here as we take a look at leprosy in verse 12 he goes on now if the leprosy breaks out all over the skin and the leprosy covers all the skin of the one who has the sore from his head to his foot wherever the priest looks then the priest shall consider and indeed if the leprosy has covered all his body he shall pronounce him clean who has the sore it has all turned white he is clean, but, listen, same person, should raw flesh appear on him, then he's unclean. What he's saying is if he's got it all over his body, but it's healing. It's healing. It's not raw flesh. It's, it's, be, being, being, it's turning white. It's the, the healing process is going on. What does it say in Isaiah? Though your sins were as scarlet, they shall be what? White as snow. So when we take a look at this, He's saying, hey, as it's, as it's turning white, that's a healing process. He's clean. But if there's any raw flesh, that ought to bring some pictures to mind, shouldn't it? If there's any raw flesh, he's unclean. That part of uh, that is constantly at battle with our spirit, our flesh. Our flesh constantly desiring to lead us astray, lead us down paths of destruction. To what? Divide families. To what? Rob us of joy. To what? Steal away the happiness that God intends uh, to be a part of our lives. Well, we look at those things. We, we recognize that he's talking about the leprosy of sin. And the raw flesh that is that picture, that point that we can look to and say, man, that ain't right. That ain't holiness. That's not holiness. I can't. Walk around with the raw flesh hanging out and say, it's holy. It ain't holy. It isn't holy. It's not clean. It's unclean. 
The priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean. For the raw flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. Sadaot. It is leprosy. It is unclean. What's the point as he's laying this out for us as we're seeing this? Folks, don't you see? We got to understand. We got to look at our homes, our house, our clothes, our bodies. What is it that is unclean in our life that we need to cut away? What is it that we're holding on to saying it's just a little thing? We got our hands stuck in a bucket of leprosy. This is what he's calling us to. Holiness. It's not a curse word. Holiness is not a curse word. Holiness is not some kind of, you know, weird uh, self-righteous word either. It's a word of God calling us to come out from among them. Step away from that. Step away from that stuff. Every one of us, when we had children, I, one time I'm painting my house and I took some uh, of the outlets out of the wall and I just got the live wire sticking out. Why? That's just how I am. I have live wire sticking out. I, that's how I know if something's working. I grab it. Oh, yeah. That's working. I hook it up together and I get bit a couple of times. I know it's working. I have these live wires sticking out of the wall. And my oldest son, JC, he's walking over and I see him with his finger, sticking his finger to the wire. Son, don't do that. Okay, Dad. What happens? Do you turn your back? Where'd he go? Right back to the wire. Son, those wires are live. They're going to hurt you. Don't mess with those. Okay, Dad. The third time, Dad, unlike our Heavenly Father, is out of patience. He's reaching for the wire, and I said, Son, listen, if you touch that wire, you're going to be electrocuted, and you're going to die right here on the floor, and your soul is going to go to heaven, and God's going to say, You can't come in because you're stupid and you wouldn't listen to your father. Isn't it good that God doesn't tell us that? But isn't that how we are? God calls us to holiness. Stay away from that. And what are we doing? We're over there playing with it. Well, how bad can it be? It's bad. It seems like a little thing. It seems like nothing, but it destroys. It's a little drink. It's a little look. It's a little this. It's a little that. What does it do? It robs us of all the good that God wants to pour in our lives. So come out from among them. Come out from among the leprous. Step away. The priest shall examine him. And indeed, uh, in verse 17, Indeed, if the sore has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. Who has the sore, he is clean. Why? Because Isaiah 118 says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins were as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. So it's a picture that follows all the way through the scripture. He's healing now, if the, if the body develops a boil in the skin and it is healed, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a bright spot, reddish white, then it shall be shown to the priest. And if the priest sees it, and if indeed it appears deeper than the skin and its hair is turned white, the priest will pronounce him unclean. It is leprous sore which is broken out in a boil. Over and over again as we look through the scriptures, he's going to describe this is how it looks this is what happens. This is what it does. You're unclean. This is how it looks. This is what it does. 
This is how it destroys your life. It's unclean. Still, we as men, we're over there where the uncleanliness is. Allowing it to be in and a part of our lives. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in it, it's not deeper than the skin, but it's faded, then the priest will isolate him. What? Seven days. Same deal. Seven days. Let's make sure. Seven days later, he'll re-examine him. But if the bright spot stays in the one place that is not spread, it's a scar, and the priest will pronounce him clean. Verse 24. Now if the body receives a burn on the skin by fire, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish white or, or white, then the priest shall examine it. Indeed, if the hair of the bright spot is turned white, and it appears deeper than the skin, it is leprosy broke out on the burn. Therefore, the priest will pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the priest examines it, indeed, there's no white hairs in the bright spot. It is not deeper than the skin. has not faded. Then the priest will isolate him seven days. Same deal. The priest examines him on the seventh day. Uh, If it is spread all over the skin, then the priest will pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. Sara'ot. But if the bright spot stays in one place, has not spread, and has faded... Uh, it is a swelling from the burn. The priest will pronounce him clean. All the way through, God has given him the ability to see the difference between what is clean and what is unclean. You and I, we can look at it and we can say, okay, I get it. We can stop anytime. No, we can't. We got like 30 more verses of God telling us what different sores to look for. What's the point? What's he laying out for us? He's laying out for them precisely what is clean and what is not clean. Where is it found? In the Word. Where is it found for your life? What is clean and what is not clean? What should be a part of your life? What should not be a part of your life? What should be cut out? What should be allowed in? It's laid out for us in the Word. Will you live your life by the Word? Or is it just something that sits on a table that you pick up once a week, once a month, twice a year? It needs to be that which guides, which leads our life. Uh, he goes on now and tells verse 29, If a man or a woman has a sore on the head or the beard, then the priest will examine the sore, and indeed if it appears deeper than the skin, and there is <clears throat> in it thin yellow hair, then the priest will pronounce him unclean. It is a scaly leprosy of the head or beard. Now, one thing that people, as they look through this, they they see, well, this is not the way leprosy is. Remember what I told you. The Hebrew word used for leprosy, every time it's used, is sara'ot. It's, it's that leprosy of, of sin. You can look at it as any kind of a skin issue, period. As long as it was sara'ot, unclean, contagious, something that could spread, they would be isolated, put outside the camp. What did that accomplish? It accomplished a couple of things. For one thing... The Jewish people become one of the healthiest people groups around the world because they obeyed what God called out for, for for what is clean and what is unclean. Well, today we're so much more advanced than that, right? Because we just allow anybody to be around, anybody to be with, anybody to do whatever anybody wants to do. We don't isolate anybody or put anybody with diseases outside the camp, right? So we have what? Seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen million people with AIDS. You have people walking around the world right now just looking for an opportunity to infect. 
Isn't that what sin does? Looks for an opportunity to destroy. Looks for an opportunity to rob and steal. What did God say? Come out from among them. Come out from among them. Be holy as I am holy. Set apart. Set apart unto him. He says, now this guy who has this, he will shave himself. But the scale he will not shave. (coughs) Excuse me. And the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale seven days. On the seventh day, the priest will examine the scale. And indeed, if the scale is not spread over the skin and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. He will wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scale should at all spread over the skin after the cleansing, then the priest shall examine him. Indeed, the scale is spread over the skin. The priest need not seek for yellow hair. He is unclean. It's incredible how intricate God got given these instructions for how to discover this contagion within the the body uh, for the children of Israel. Verse 38. If a man or woman has bright spots on the skin of the body, specifically white bright spots, and the priest will look, and indeed if the bright spots on the skin of the body are dull white, it is a white spot that grows on the skin, then he's clean. As for the man whose hair has fallen from his head, he's bald. (laughs) Fritz, why are you putting a hat on, brother? I think that's kind of funny how the Bible said that. (laughs) Hey, if his, if his hair's falling out, he's bald. He's clean. It's easy to tell if he's clean because there's no hair on his head. But if there is on the bald head or bald forehead a reddish white sore, it's leprosy breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead, the priest will examine it. Indeed, if the swelling of the sore is reddish white, the bald head or the bald forehead has the appearance of leprosy on the skin of the body. He's a leprous man, he is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His sore is on his head. A lot of people have that same problem, right? Sickness is in the head. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare. He shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. Look at verse 46. He shall be unclean all the days he has a sore. He shall be unclean. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. What is it that God says? What does the stain of sin do to us? It separated us from God. Can we know a relationship with God because of that leprous sin in our lives? No. Can we enter into his presence? No. Can we enjoy any that God has desired to give us? No. Why? Because we are not holy. We're stained. We're sin. Outside the camp. That's the point that God is making. You can see it all the way, all the way through. Now listen, verse 47 is talking about clothes. Now if the garment has a leprous plague in it, whether it is a woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it is in the warp of the woof of linen or wool, whether in leather or anything made with leather, if the plague is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather, whether in the warp of the woof or in anything made of leather, it is a leprous plague and shall be shown to the priests. Does that mean that our clothes, the things we choose to wear, have effect on our life? It does. How can you think it doesn't? 
How can we think? I remember doing youth group. Kids would tell me all the time, the music I listen to doesn't affect me. Listen, I was a kid once, and it's a bunk. It does affect you. Why do you wear what you wear? Because the rock star does. Or the band you like does. Why do you pierce what you pierce? Because they do. Why do you tattoo what you tattoo? Because they do. Whose example are you following? Theirs. You're telling me it doesn't change you? Sure it does. Every part of it does. What about the clothing brands that we get behind? Is it possible to allow by the brand and what the brand stands for, leprosy into our family's life? What? <clears throat> Some people say, well, what, what, what's the big deal? I mean, I don't, I'm not sure that the kids get it. I don't know. I don't know, but when you go into a certain store and every picture within that store is someone either half naked or completely naked selling whatever their deal is, uh, whatever their clothesline is, whatever that is, when the kids wear it, you don't think they identify with those models? You don't think they identify with the message that's being taught? They do. So the Lord says, look at your clothes. Not look at your clothes so you can be a prude or, or so that you, know, you can be judgmental or legalistic. That's not the point. The point is what you allow in your home, what you allow on your body, what you allow in your life can change you. It can make you unclean. That's the point. That's the point. I love to be my kid's, you know, whatever, buddy. It has never worked out. Because if I'm their buddy, I'm going to tell them, you know, that's okay to listen to. But as their father, I have to say no. Still, today, I don't know what's cool, 18, 19, I don't even know how old he is. When was he born? September. It's got to be 18. It can't be 19 yet. 18 years old, going to college, you know, making decisions, some of his decisions for himself. Still, I will go to his iPod every once in a while. I take it and I plug it into my computer. I look at it, I push a button, and it all disappears. Occasionally, I fill it with praise music. And then I put it back on his desk. It's this thing. We've been doing it for however long. Son, those things aren't okay. If, if we can sit down and talk about them, we'll sit down and talk about them. Hey, it's, it's, he, he won't even do it with me anymore. It's not any fun. But let's, let's open it up. Let's take a look at the lyrics. Then he started listening to stuff that didn't have lyrics. Show me their album cover. Show me what they stand for. Show me what they're about. Let's look at their website. Let's go see these things. Why? Because it's my responsibility to teach him what's clean and what's not clean. It's his choice to make what he's going to allow in his life. It's my job to teach what's right. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to do that. What's okay, what's not okay. Dad, why can't I ever get this kind of clothing or that kind of... If, if I've made a, a spiritual call and said, you know what, this particular brand or that particular brand or that thing... I've never been able to buy those things. So, you know, I, I haven't boycotted Kmart or, or Target yet. So. But if there was something like that, I'm not just going to take it away and say, because I told you so. Let's look at it. What's the message? What's the point? What are they pushing? 
What are they trying to change? What are they trying to say? And when you wear by or a part of that, you're wear buying or, or, or agreeing with what they're doing. It's just a little thing, Dad. You're right. It's a little thing. Look at Leviticus 13. It all starts as this little bitty sore. And the next thing you know, you're isolated. You're lonely. You're stripped away from family, friends. Joy is robbed. That's what it does. That's what it does. Do we need to lay those things out for them? It says in verse 50, The priest will examine the plague and isolate that which has the plague seven days. And he will examine the plague. Now, let me tell you, some of the things my kids wore in football practice had the plague. <laughs> Kathy wouldn't even wash it sometimes. She'd just say, can I just throw this away? Yeah, baby, throw it away. It smells so bad. It smells like somebody died in it. And he shall examine the plague on the seventh day. If the plague is spread in the garment, whether the whoop or the wolf or the leather or anything else made of the letter, the plague is an active leprosy. It is unclean. Our material things can spread saraot. They can spread those things in our life. That's what, that's what he's laying out for us. He shall therefore burn the garment in which the plague, whether whoop or woof, were in wool and linen, or anything for leather, or is active in leprosy, the garment will be burned in the fire. But if the priest examines it, and indeed the, the plague is not spread in the garment, either the warp or the woof, or in anything made of leather, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is the plague, and he will isolate it another seven days. And the priest will examine the plague after it has been washed, and indeed the plague has not changed its color, though the plague has not spread, it is unclean. And you will burn it in fire, and it continues eating away, whether the damage is is outside or inside. If the priest examines it, and indeed the plague is faded, after washing it, then he shall tear it out of the garment, whether out of the, the warp or out of the woof or out of the leather. But if it appears again in the garment, either the warp or in the woof or anything made of the leather, it is a spreading plague. You shall burn it with fire, that that in which is a plague. And if you wash a garment, either warp or woof or whatever is made of leather, if the plague has disappeared from it, Then it shall be washed a second time and shall be clean. This is the law of the leprous plague in the garment of wool or linen, warp or woof, and anything made of leather to pronounce it clean or to pronounce it unclean. This is the point. What is clean? What is unclean? Folks, it's so incredible when you study the fact that when the nation of Israel ceased to be a nation in 70 A.D., they spread throughout Europe, and the black plague comes through the land because the children of Israel obey. You know these laws weren't common, right? I mean, for crying out loud, our own country's not even 200 years old. Well, a little better than 200 years old now. And we look at our, our own country, and it wasn't all that long ago, taking a bath more than once a month was thought to be unhealthy. But here, more than 2,000 years ago, God is telling them how often they need to wash, what they need to do if they find something with fungus or mildew. It's dirty, it's stinky, it's nasty. Get it outside the camp, get it away from you. That's why when the Black Plague came through Europe, the, the, the ghettos, the places where the Jews were living was untouched. 
And that's also why the Europeans persecuted the Jews because they believed since they were untouched, they were the ones causing it. The reality is they were obeying God's word. And none of those things were touching it. In a spiritual sense, we want to cut those things out. But then we come to chapter 14. The blessing of chapter 14 that it follows chapter 13. Take a look at it. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, This will be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He will be brought to the priest. For 1,500 years, they never use this. 1,500 years, this scroll sat on the shelf. This will be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. Verse 3, the priest will go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed. Look at this. Two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. Two birds, clean ones. Cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest will command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel. Really? Where do birds come from? Where do they fly? In the heavens. So we get these two birds, heavenly creature. One of the birds is killed in an earthen vessel. Why? Because the Bible tells us that our bodies, we have this treasure, the treasure of faith that God has given us. We keep it where? In an earthen vessel. It's a picture, don't you see it? Jesus Christ coming from heaven in humanity in an earthen vessel, being killed in the earthen vessel. He dies. What's the cedar wood for? What what do you think wood's for? It speaks of his humanity. It points to the cross. Points to the cross. What about scarlet? Though our sins were what? As scarlet. What is it that makes us clean? The blood of Jesus Christ washes us clean. Well, what's hyssop? Hyssop is that part of the branch used within the tabernacle to apply the blood. Hyssop. It would be dipped in the blood. You remember at the the Passover? They were to put what? They were to put blood on on the doorposts of the door. So they would take hyssop and they dip it in the blood that was in this grate at the bottom of the door. And they'd strike the top and the sides forming a cross on their door. And it was all applied with hyssop. How would the priest apply? Many of the things that the priest would use to apply blood was hyssop. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, I thirst. What did they give him? A sponge of vinegar in what? Hyssop. And handed it up to him. Psalm 51. When the psalmist cried out, create in me a clean heart, O God. What did he say? Purge me with hyssop. Hyssop. So the first, look at this, it's beautiful. The the first bird, he is is killed in an earthen vessel over what? Over running water. You know what they call running water? Living water. In an earthen vessel over living water. That's kind of interesting. Jesus, in speaking of the Holy Spirit, in John chapter, in fact, let's turn there. Hold your fingers here. Turn with me to John chapter, John chapter, it'll come to me by the time I get there. Seven or eight, seven. Let 
Verse 37, chapter 7. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Look at the next verse. This he spoke concerning what? The Spirit. Whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given. So we have Jesus in an earthen vessel, slain in the earthen vessel over living water, which spoke of the Holy Spirit. Look, then what happened? Then the priest will command that the one of the birds be killed in the earthen vessel over running water. And for the living bird, he will take it, the cedar wood, the scarlet, the hyssop, dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over running water. He will sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from leprosy. Pronounce him clean and let the living bird fly. Jesus died on the cross, was buried. On the third day, he rose again and ascended to the Father. Why they have to use two birds? Because it was a picture of the resurrection. One bird dies, the other one flies. Jesus became sin that we might become righteousness of God. The picture of the cleansing of the leper, we see a picture of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the ascension of Jesus Christ, that there were two, Jesus, fully God, fully man. We see the symbol of the cross. We see the symbol of his blood. We see the hyssop through which the blood is applied. All pictured in the cleansing of the leper. In that thing that it was only done after Jesus came. When all of a sudden, one day, while Jesus is walking the streets, the priest has to figure out how to do this ten times for the ten lepers that came to him. He's made complete. Listen, look at verse 7. He will sprinkle it seven times. What is seven? Number of completion. Completely clean. Totally clean. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin. Did it heal us from sin? No. What did it do? Cleanse us. Did it heal him from leprosy? No. What is he? Cleansed. He's cleansed. He made clean. He's made clean <clears throat> in that relationship with the Lord. Look. Then, verse 8, he who, he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, wash himself in water that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp and stay outside his tent seven days. What are you looking at? New birth. What do we call it? Being born again. Starting all over. Washed clean. Shave off all his hair. The, the, the whole concept is cutting away all the old. All the old is gone. There's no old anymore. It's all new. We're a new creation created in Christ Jesus, right? The old man is done away with. We're the new man now. And he's going to go into the camp. This is the first time he's been in the camp. He gets to come into the camp and he dwells outside where everybody can see him for seven days. I've been cleansed. I've been cleansed. What is he being right then? Without speaking a word, he is being a witness to the cleansing power of God. God's ability to clean. How do we overcome the the enemy? 
It says, by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. That word of the testimony can simply be in the example of what I am now, what I was then. What I was then was a leprous old man. What I am now is a new creation. That's what he's picturing. That's what he's laying out for us. But on the seventh day, he will shave off the hair off his head, his beard, his eyebrows, and all his hair he will shave off. He will wash his clothes, wash his body in water, and he will be clean. So the first of the seven days he does it, and the seventh day he does it again. He does it again, picturing as we take a look at it, the process of justification and sanctification. Made just as if I'd never done it, but there's a process of sanctification in my life. The one time I'm made clean, I'm clean. I didn't make myself more clean by shaving again. But what's happening? Stepping into that place where God is able to do the work of making us holy. As we present ourselves to Him, we're being sanctified. And then on the eighth day, and by the way, the number eight is a number for new beginnings. He gets a fresh start. He gets a new beginning on the eighth day. On the eighth day, he will take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering and one log of oil. Then the priest who makes him clean, well, well, what happened? The priest, who's our priest that makes us clean? What's Hebrews say? Jesus Christ is our high priest. He's the one who made us clean. See the picture that's being painted in Leviticus 13 and 14. The leprosy of sin and being set free from that bondage in a relationship by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what he's, that's the picture he's painting. Look what happens. Verse 11. Now the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Who's going to introduce you to God the Father? Jesus Christ. How's he going to do it? As a dirty old leprous man? As somebody made clean. If you look at Jude 24, I love Jude 24. My, my dad used to read Jude 24 every time he, he finished a sermon. It says this, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his Glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. How does he present us? First, he keeps us from falling, and he presents us faultless. Clean. That's what the priest is doing. He's presenting them clean. And the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering. Why? Because we're still trespassers. Still sinners. Offer the trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them as wave offering before the Lord. He'll kill the lamb in the place where he kills a sin offering and the burnt offering in a holy place for the sin offering is the priest. So is the trespass offering. It is most holy. Look at this. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and the priest will put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed. On the thumb of his right hand, on the big toe of his right foot. You remember seeing that before? That's how the priest was consecrated to God. What did it symbolize? Hear God's will, 
do God's will, walk in God's will. What does it symbolize for he who has been cleansed? For the leper who has been made clean, for the sinner now washed. It means that the blood of the Lamb covers what we hear, what we do, where we go. Is there some place that we can go where we leave Jesus behind? You know, you can't leave him outside. He comes with you. The blood of the Lamb covers what we hear, what we do, where we walk. Check this out. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it on the palm of his left hand. And the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in the left hand and sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. What's oil? Always a picture of in the, in the, in the scripture. Holy Spirit. Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. He sprinkles it before the Lord. And the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on the blood of the trespass offering. Where he put the blood on his ear, he covers it with oil. What does that mean? What's he talking about? Guys, the Holy Spirit can only enter where the blood has been applied. Where the blood is, where the blood is applied, now the Holy Spirit comes in. Where the blood is applied, the Holy Spirit comes in. I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. Have I applied the blood everywhere in my life? Have I allowed Jesus into every room? Am I keeping a room off? And I'm wondering why I'm not experiencing the fullness of what God has for me. Why? Because the oil of the Holy Spirit can only be applied where the blood is. It can only be applied in that place. Then, look what happens next. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he will put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Guys, there's only four people that were anointed with oil. Only four. The king, the prophet, the priest, and the leper. Is that not amazing? The leper is anointed with oil like the king, the prophet, the priest, the leper. It blows my mind. blows my mind to see the ramification of of what happens in the life of of a person that realizes I am a leprous sinner and I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And from that point, I'm anointed by the power of his Holy Spirit to be his witness. That's what we're studying in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's what we're studying in Sunday mornings. That, That we would be able to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. To hear by the power of the Holy Spirit. To do by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I can only apply it where the blood's been. And then to be anointed, to have that oil poured out on the head of Aaron. They anointed, man, they poured that stuff out. It ran down Aaron's beard. There's no getting that oil out your head. Covered in the power of the Holy Spirit. The overflowing, the overpowering, the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
They poured it out all over him. And the priest will offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed. His uncleanness afterward, he will kill the burnt offering. And the priest will offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. Man, he's clean. What was the burnt offering? What did that symbolize? Folks, the burnt offering symbolized coming to, the, to, coming to the Lord in communion. Man, all the way through, step by step, we see the anointing of, of the blood. We see the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We see a picture of communion. Isn't that what happens in our lives when we give our life to Jesus Christ? When he cleanses us from all sin? We enter into that relationship that God always wanted us to have. And here it is hidden in the middle of Leviticus. Blows my mind. Well, in 21, he tells the difference between the the offering that was to be given by the poor. And the poor, here's what I want you to grab in, in verse 21. But if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb. What does that mean? One lamb is required. The lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He had to come to the Lamb. Man, I don't know if God could paint any more clear of a picture for us to see and understand. Well, what would happen? Look at verse 25. He'll kill the Lamb of the trespass offering, the priest, and what happens? Blood, again, tip of the right ear, thumb, big toe. Exact same thing is going to happen The only difference is instead of bringing two lambs, he brings one. And the trespass and the offering, sin offering at the end, will be the the turtle doves or pigeons. That's the only difference. Everything else is exactly the same. The blood of the lamb applied to the ear, applied to the toe, applied to the thumb. The blood of the lamb. Is it applied in our lives? Is it applied around us? Do we know the difference between what is clean and what is not clean? Well, he goes on. We come up to, to verse 33. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, When you come into the land of Canaan, which I give to you as a possession, and I put the leprous plague in a house in the land of your possession, he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, It seems to me that there is a plague in my house. And the priest will command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague. That all that is in the house may not be made unclean. Afterward, the priest shall go in to examine the house. The Lord's talked about who we are, what we do, what we wear, and where we live. And he's talking about the fact that that plague of leprosy can be picked up in any of those places. Oh, come on, Jackie. What are you talking about? I'll give you a real easy example. Really, I don't even have to look very hard for it. Book of Genesis. Abraham and Lot. They can't get along. So Abraham says to Lot, Son, listen. We need to go two different ways. So you decide where you want to go. You can live anywhere you want to live. And they went up on top of the mountain and he looked over the five plains, the cities of the five plains, and he chose Sodom. 
Did he pray? Did he call out on the name of the Lord and say, God, where should I go? He just went. Was there leprosy there? Did it infect his whole family? Cost him everything. Do you really think when he stood on that mountain that day and made the choice where he was going to live, that he thought about? It's a little thing. What's the big deal? Why does it matter? You and I, we know the end of the story, don't we? It mattered. The Moabites and the Ammonites, two great enemies of God, were born that day in that decision. Those two great enemies of God were born of incest from Lot's two daughters with their father. All of that was based in that one choice. That one decision. And he didn't think it mattered enough to take it before the Lord first. God says, come out from among them and be holy. The point isn't so that we look back and think about all the things we've done wrong. I can't do nothing about them, right? What does Paul say? Not that I have already attained, but I press on. Forgetting those things which lie behind and moving forward to the things which are ahead. Folks, it's to color our choices now. It's to color our choices from this point forward. Be holy. Make the choice to allow God, the blood of Jesus Christ, to touch every part of your life. Even what you wear. Even where you live. Because it's just a little thing. But it changes everything. It's just a small thing. But it matters. He will examine the plague. And indeed if the plague is on the walls of the house and ingrained. He's laying out that the plague can be on the walls. Some of us could go into our kids room and find the plague right there on the walls. It's on a wall. It's on the iPod. What's going through the eye gate? Ear gate? What's entering into their life? I can't make every choice for my children. It's my job to do what? Teach. Teach. They're going to make their choices. And God's not going to give up on them. God's going to carry them through too. My job to teach. And not just to teach it's like this because I said so. Not saying that's necessarily bad. But in order for me to teach, I need to tell them why it's not clean. Why is it leprous? Why can it affect every aspect of their lives? Why can it touch everything that enters into their life? Verse 48, he says, Now, if the priest comes in and examines, and indeed the plague has not spread in the house, after the house was plastered, then the priest will pronounce the house clean, because the plague is healed. Plague can be healed. Is Christ at home in your house is he at home at your entertainment center is he at home where your computer is is he allowed in every room of the house is it god's house is it a place that's clean because if i walked with the lord into my house and i say god you can go in the living room and you can go in the kitchen but after that that's it you stay here i'm just going to hang out in that room for a while It's leprous. It's leprous. 
And we need to present it to our high priest, Jesus Christ, and let him make it clean. So that we can enjoy all that God has for us. Verse 54. This is the law for any leprous sore and scale. For the leprosy of the garment and of the house. For the swelling and a scab and a bright spot. Look at verse 57 and don't ever forget it. To teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I am uh, (coughs) just blown away. Blown away that we can look at a book written, I don't know, 3,000 years ago and see so clearly your plan for our lives today. How's that even possible? Because the word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to divide asunder soul and the spirit, the bone from the marrow, the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Guys, it's not about control. It's not about legalism. It's not about lists of do's and don'ts. It's about what destroys and what brings life. And you want us to be holy. You want us to come out from among them to be clean. To set aside all the weights and the sin which so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that is set before us. Lord, it's the same thing. You're saying the exact same thing. So God, may we truly make a decision. May we truly decide. God, I I need to take stock. Where is the blood applied? Is God allowed everywhere in my home? Are there places that he's not? Am I allowing leprosy to grow in my house that's going to destroy? For sin brings death, period. But Jesus Christ brings life. More than I want to be my son's best friend, I want to point him to Jesus Christ, the only friend that really matters. The only one who brings joy. The only one who makes sense out of the chaos of life. Without him, I don't know how anybody does it. What's the point? So, Lord, as the psalmist cried out in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Purge us with your hyssop, the application of your blood, and make us clean. We thank you. For all you do and have done for us, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.